Hey, Valley family, welcome. This is week number two uh, in our series that we're calling Uncommon. We're talking about uncommon relationships. That's really what God wants every one of us to have, that there wouldn't be average and ordinary, but really uncommon. And uh, we started the series off last week. Pastor Steve and Francis did a great job uh, just, just talking about uncommon love and how important that is. And, and so this, this whole series, as we talk about uncommon, uh, it, it's really, again, not just like marriage, but it's parents. Parenting, it's friends, it's employer, employees, it's neighbors, just, just all relationships, all these principles that we're going to look at, uh, that we're looking at, uh, are, apply to every single one of our relationships. So if you have your Valley app, I want to ask you to go ahead, invite you to go ahead, open that up, and you'll want to follow along uh, as we talk today about uncommon communication. Uncommon communication, because communication is so key if relationships, any type of relationship is going to grow uh, and actually be the type of fulfilling relationship that God wants every one of us to enjoy. Now next week, I want to invite you back, next week we're going to be talking about uncommon conflict, because in any relationship there's going to be times where there's going to be disagreement and conflict. I want to look at some tools that God gives us in his word on how we can actually navigate those differences of opinions, that conflict, in a way that really glorifies Jesus Christ and the relationship gets stronger instead of weaker and fractured. So that's next week as we look at uncommon conflict. Uh, but just a just statement as we begin about relationships, I think it's so important, kind of the big, big idea through this whole series is that great relationships are possible, but they're not very probable. Great relationships are possible, but they're not very probable, especially if we follow the world's way of having relationships. They're not going to be great because God is a relational God. He's the one who created us to have relationships, and he tells us how those relationships are supposed to work best. Not, not the world, not the culture. In fact, kind of a, a theme verse for the whole series, I'd say, would be Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, and the Bible says there, New Living Translation, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. We need to have our, our understanding, our minds transformed, our, our relationships transformed. Let God transform you into a new person by changing what? The way that you think. It's not the way the world thinks. Is that, that if we have relationships, we follow the world's custom, we're not going to have the great relationship, the uncommonly great relationships that God wants you and I to have. So let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you. How many of you want that? I sure do. I want to know God's will for me, which is good and pleasing and perfect. When we follow God's will, when we follow God's way, this is what's in store for us in terms of, as we're applying it to our relationships, good, pleasing, and perfect. And so how does that happen? By changing the way we think, allowing God to transform us into a new person. By, by saying, God, show me, I'll apply your word to my life. You're my Lord, you're my Savior, Jesus Christ. I'll follow you and transform my life, transform me into a new person, change the way that I think, and hopefully in our time together today, I'll change, you know, I'll give you the information, God's word, point you in the right direction, and then allow the Holy Spirit to transform the way that we think. Because the reality is the power of the Holy Spirit is greater than your willpower and is greater than my willpower as well. 
And so we need help from the inside out. And, and, and so I encourage you, I was, you know, I was thinking about this. You, you give us a year at Valley Christian Church. You give us a year, not just to attend, but to experience all that God has for you. And you know what? You will be changed into a different person. You go all in, not dabble on the side. You go all in. In fact, when we talk about relationships and all that, coming up real soon here, we have our group link where people can get involved with community groups. That's where we work out some of these relational skills. And that's how we really connect. It's impossible to connect looking at the back of someone's head Sunday after Sunday. And, and so uh, it's so important to, to connect. That's how maybe you're, you've been attending Valley for a while and you, you look around like, why those folks, it just seems like everyone knows each other so well. It's because of small groups are so important. That's where we work on and we work out some of these relational things. God created you for relationships. So I'd encourage you, if you're not in a community group, if, you, if you're not in a short-term group, come on out to Group Link. You'll hear more about that uh, as we announce that uh, in, the, in the next week. It's coming up. Um, and, and become a part. So important. See, think about just uh, going all in and your life will be changed. Your life will be different. It will be transformed into a new person by changing the way that you think. You know, when we talk about communication, I mean, let's be honest, our world today has become more vile, more vulgar, and more vicious. You know, look at social media, it's just vicious. It's just vicious what people say to you. You, you just put an opinion out there and just, just all kinds of flaming, you just awesome, awful, awful stuff. And, and so just, to, I wanna share as we start this message kind of idea here, in terms of communication, four levels of communication. Now this is not, uh, I didn't come up with this, this is what uh, uh, sociologists uh, and, and, and PhDs and all have come up with this. There's four levels of communication. First of all, surface communication. That's kind of just, uh, uh, you, you know, how, you know, good morning, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? I'm doing great. Surface communication. There's nothing really happening there, almost like a, just a greeting. Second one is general information. This is just kind of sharing facts and, and this sort of thing. Uh, but, but God wants more than that. And, and so many of us, you know, it's funny, even when we're talking about social media, the more we're connected by technology, the less we actually are connected relationally. The more we're connected by technology, the, the less we're actually connected because these two things can happen in technology. But you know what doesn't happen is the third level, and this is where real fulfillment comes in. The third level, deep feelings. As you're sure, you, you, can, you can go on your newsfeed and say, oh look, so-and-so had a baby. Oh look, you know, they went camping. Oh look, they had a great vacation. But you're actually not building a relationship with those folks. It's a facade. It's, 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 it's a myth, it's a vapor, it's a, it's a mirage, it's really not relationships. Deep feelings, when we can share our deep feelings about things that are happening, that, that's the third level. But then there's an even deeper one. Fourth level is deep needs, deep needs. We can really share, maybe if you're married with your spouse, this is really what my needs are. We can share these deep feelings. Feelings are important. They may not be right, but they're always real. I, I don't trust my feelings. My feelings may not be right. Your feelings, just because you feel it doesn't mean it's right, but it is real. 
It is real. And God has wired us for these type of, friend, these type of relationships. Parent to child, uh, husband to wife, uh, you know, friend to friend, uh, Christian to Christian. This is where real fulfillment comes. This is Sunday morning. This is community groups. This is why it's so important. We believe. That's why I'm in a community group and have been in a small group, uh, you know, different kinds of small groups for the, for the last uh, 27 years as the pastor of this church because I believe in this. And so God wants us to be down here, not just here. This is like first-time guest and all, but it, so many of it just hang out right here or, or even, you know, I, I love our online campus. We have hundreds and hundreds of people every single week and join us and, and welcome on, on, our, on our online campus. But ultimately, God has more for you than just watching on your phone week after week. God wants you to begin to cultivate real close Christian friendships where you can experience these things, deep feelings and deep needs. That doesn't happen online. Doesn't happen online. It's so important to communicate. And, and by the way, let me just while we're doing this, let me just help my brothers out. Those of you that are married, let me just help you out a little bit. I found out this just, that, and I just want to pass this along. Don't tell your wife you got this from me, all right? But those of you who are married, uh, guys, I want to share with you real quick just to help you out because that's what I do. I'm a helper. I help. Uh, four most romantic words for your wife. Uh, but before I reveal these, I just want to say if you... These four, these are the four most, it doesn't matter who she is, the four most romantic words you can ever say to your wife. And I mean, it will just stoke the flames of romance. Ready? Here they are, four most romantic words. And then what happened? And then what happened? In the middle of a conversation, you just look at her and say, and then what happened? She's gonna be like, my Lord and my God, you are the man for me. Now, now, come on, you can laugh at that, lighten up. That's funny, that is really funny. Four most romantic words for your wife, and then what happened? Ask her for more details. Man, it will light her up like a Christmas tree. Communication, it's all about communication. Also, there are four barriers to communication. First of all, when, when communication is not happening, there's withdrawal. That we pull away. Men, we're real good at this. We pull away. We pull away from our friends. We pull away from our, our wife. We pull away from our kids. We withdraw. Those are barriers to communication. Then escalation. When we're hearing something we don't like, then, then the volume gets higher. These are barriers. It, it's, it's, we think by getting a little bit louder, not just men, ladies as well, we think louder will make the point, but actually louder. They've done all kinds of tests on this and surveys. People, sh excuse me, people shut down. They don't listen. When the volume goes up, things get, just the wall goes up. Escalation. Then belittling. Then we start, we start making personal jabs. You hurt me, now I'm going to say something to hurt you. And, and ultimately, the worst form of this is false belief. And, and why is this so uh, lethal, false belief? Well, it's interesting. You can look this up on your own. It's not in your notes. But John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said... <laughs> See, false belief, when we start believing lies, Jesus said in John 8, 44, the devil is a liar and he is the father of all lies. So ultimately, false belief is demonic at the core. We begin to believe lies and it's demonic when that happens in our communication. And so think about it, just the power. What, what I really want to do is just kind of in our culture, we don't think a big deal. It's not a big deal what we say. To God, it's a huge, huge deal, the words that we say. 
And so this whole message, part of it is just to frame, like, get our attention, like, it's a huge issue. It's a huge issue to God. In fact, look at it this way. Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus said, the one sin that's unpardonable is something that we say. Look at this, Matthew 12, 31. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. Every sin can be forgiven, Jesus said. But, this is a big one, blaspheming against the Spirit will not be forgiven. To blaspheme the Holy Spirit, something I say is the unpardonable sin. And that is when to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not what this message is about, but, but just think about that for a minute. The unpardonable sin is not even something that you do, it's something that you say. Something that you, that's the power in our words. The power in our words. So, let's look at uncommon communication. Uncommon communication. And, and, and I want to give you seven different ways of to communicate in uncommon ways. And by this, I, I don't think we need to go any further into a list of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. These are do lists. This is a to-do in terms of having uncommon communication that God wants you and I to have. First of all, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37, I love this in the message translation, uh, the contemporary paraphrase in the New Testament. It says, let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is gonna come back to haunt you. Wow, got your attention? Every one of these, every careless word that you and I ever speak is gonna come back to haunt us. There will be a time of reckoning, and that word, notice it's a capital reckoning. What that means is there'll be a day. Some, some translations say the judgment day of God. Words are powerful, take them seriously. Words are powerful, Take them seriously. And if nothing else, I hope after this message that, that, that you'll leave our time together today and you'll take your words seriously because there'll be a day of reckoning. It goes on and it says, words can be your salvation, words can also be your damnation. Got your attention? Serious. Serious, the things that we say. Serious. And I know automatically, you know, we start thinking, oh my goodness, what about what I said back in 1994, you know, or, or what did I say in 2006, or what about, what about what I said January 1st this year? What about what I said last night? Here's the thing. The power of God can forgive our words, but we need to come clean to God and say, God, forgive me of what I said. It's amazing to me. How many Christians think they're justified with saying scathing things and thinking there's never going to be any consequences for the words they speak? It's amazing. It totally contradicts God's word. Just the other day I ran into to someone who used to attend our church and uh, hadn't seen him in about 10 years, or 15 years probably. And, and before they left, they, they slid a, a letter under my door. And it was three pages about all the things they didn't like about me. Three pages. I wouldn't even let my wife read it because I knew it would be so hard for her to ever get over the scathing, critical, judgmental words that were written in three pages. And I ran into those folks <laughs> just last week. Hey, Greg, how are you? Oh, it's so good to see you. Just like nothing had ever happened just not realizing the power in our words. 
Every word. Every word. The Bible says there'll be a day of reckoning. Careless words are going to come back and haunt us. Think about it. Why is God so, why is words so important to God? Well, it's how he created everything. Let there be light. The creative power of God is in his words. And listen, the creative power in your life is in your words. You can change your life. Start changing your life today by speaking different words. You can change the environment by being positive in the words that you speak. Or you can cause just total negativity on the job, in your home, in your friendships, just being negative. Change, completely change the environment. That's the power in your words. God created everything out of the power of the spoken word. The single biggest problem in communication, I love this quote by George Bernard Shaw. He said, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it's actually taking place. See, communication is not just, I'm gonna say what I wanna say. Communication is, did you understand, did you hear what I said? So many times when we're having conversation, communication, we're thinking about when someone else is speaking, what am I gonna say? In responses, and we're not even hearing. That's not real communication. Communication is not just saying, but that what you said is understood by the listener, by the listener, by the hearer. And so we need to become intentional about the words that we speak. We need to become intentional about the words we speak. God was intentional when he said, let there be light. When, when he spoke the words, the, the power in his word, Jesus was intentional about the words that he spoke, the things that he said. We need to be intentional as followers of Jesus Christ if he's your Lord and he's your Savior. So here's the first thing I want to encourage you to do in terms of uh, uncommon communication. Just start praising. Praise. And yes, praise God, absolutely. But praise other people. Just become a praiser. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11 puts it this way. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. I love that. Isn't that picturesque? A, a word fitly spoken like, is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. What does that mean? The, 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 the writer of Proverbs here is saying the words spoken at the right time are beautiful and they add value. Let me ask you a question. Are your words adding value to other people? Are they lifting them or putting them down? Adding value. That's the power in our words, to praise, to help, to encourage, to lift up, praise. It, I learned this as a father. I can't say that I did it all the time, but, but I learned this as a father. I tried to do it as a football coach as well for 12 years. If you want a behavior repeated, then praise that behavior. When you praise something, people will repeat it. Praise it. So, fantastic job. A girls would do something, you know, uh, mommy, can I help you set the table? And they're putting the fork and the knife upside down and on top of you. That's a great job. You did such a wonderful job. Then you go over there and move it to the right spot. And you know what they want to do next time? They want to help set the table. Praise what you want repeated. Behavior you want repeated. And, and let me say this, by the way. If you're looking for a place to really make a difference with your words, let me encourage you just to consider this and get involved with our Valley Kids ministry and watch how your words 
can just so lift a little heart. I'm so passionate about what we do with our Valley Kids and and our student ministry 24-7 as well. You know why I'm so passionate about it? Because I was little Greg in the children's ministry. I grew up in the children's ministry of this church. I grew up in the youth group, the student ministry of this church. And I can tell you today, words that were spoken over me, and I know we didn't all have the same experience, but I am so thankful for the the words that were spoken over me by my teachers here on Sunday when I was in children's ministry, by my youth leaders, words of encouragement. I, I can still remember when, when I was in high school at John Jay uh, playing football and my youth leader came one time to one of the games and I did not have my best game and at the end of the game it was frustrating and all that and I'll never forget, I remember as I'm walking off the field, I felt an arm come around my shoulder pads. I looked and it was my youth leader and he said, you know what, I'm proud of you. And I said, what in the world are you proud of me for? He said, because it was a difficult day, you didn't win, but you showed a lot of class even in the loss. I'll never forget that. The power of our words. So I encourage you to think about that. You, you want to see how powerful your words are? We have so many educators, so many teachers in, in our church. The power of the spoken word lifting young people, especially today. Speak life. Praise. Here's the second one. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Being thankful, being grateful. Let me challenge you, say thank you 10 times today. Watch how the environment around you changes. Say thank you. Say thank you to, 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 to the server. Say, say thank you uh, when, 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 uh, uh, when your wife makes you a meal. Say thank you. Say thank you. Look for ways to be grateful and to give thanks and watch the environment around you change. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 and 22 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who finds, and this is pretty interesting, watch what the next verse is. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Listen, single fellows, maybe you need to learn how to talk right to find the woman God has for you. Maybe it's your words that are keeping her from coming into your life. Because isn't it interesting, the next verse, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. And you know what one of the fruit is for a man who speaks words, positive words, encouraging words, words of life? He finds a wife. And he who finds a wife finds a good thing, the Bible says, and receives favor from the Lord. The power of our words, young men. The power of our words. Being thankful. Thank you, especially in our culture. Again, that's just so uh, vicious and vile and vulgar. When you say please and thank you, it's just to show gratitude. It's amazing how that just snaps people's heads around. Thanksgiving. Third uncommon communication is affection. Just being affectionate, communicating with our words, our affection, how we feel, how much that means to us. God did this for you and for me. His word over and over again through the Bible, God communicates his affection for you and for me. Look at what it says in Jeremiah chapter uh, 31, verse three. It says, I have, uh, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. God not only sent his son for you, he loves you. He loves me. And God continually communicates that. 
And as I was preparing this message, I just wanted to, I've been looking forward to this point, getting to this point right here. Because I just want to tell you something, Valley family. I love you. I love you. You'll never have any idea. You'll never be able to really comprehend how, how you're always on my mind. I wake up and I think of you. I go to sleep and, and, and I'm thinking of you. I love you, Valley fam. There's no place I'd rather be. May 20th would be 28 years that my wife Susie and I have loved this church family. We've laid our life down for you. That's how much we love you. Other opportunities, other temptations to go other places and things. But we love you too much. We just, we, we've talked before, Susie and I, we could never see ourselves saying goodbye to you. We just can't see it. Because we love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And you know what, for me, those words don't come easy. And, and I don't necessarily spread them around like butter. But I'm learning I need to say it more often. It's no problem me telling my wife, telling my girls. But I just wrote it in my notes right there. I want you to know, Valley family, I love you. We're going to move on unless I become some kind of puddle of mush up here <clears throat> right now. Number four, encouragement. Encouragement. We need to encourage one another. Look at what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 tells us. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Nothing unwholesome. Nothing negative. But only what is helpful for building others up. Again, this is why small groups are so important, because we need to be built up. You can't get built up listening to the, looking at the back of someone's head on a Sunday morning. God created us to grow better in circles than in rows. This is important, but that's also incredibly important, small groups. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That, that, that's what our small groups are about. It's about others. It's not about me. Maybe you're like, I don't need that. Yeah, but you know what? They need you. They need you. Build others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. You know what you'll find? If, if we make an effort to really communicate this uncommon communication that we're talking about, people will be so drawn to you. It's amazing. When you're just an encourager, you're a lifter instead of a, someone who pushes people down. Just be a lifter. It's amazing because words are not neutral. They're, they're either building up or they're tearing down. Great example of this here. I've shared this before, but about my little French bulldog named Lucy. When we went and got Lucy, it was the day before my birthday one year, uh, back about three years or four years ago. And uh, we went to the breeder and 
we, we've gotten, we, previously we've gotten three dogs from that particular breeder. And, uh, and uh, two English bulldogs, and they passed away, and then we had Tybee, the French bulldog, and, and he was just by himself, and we just liked two, two work better, and they keep each other companions, and, and, and so we called, and, and the breeder said, well, I, I've only got one Frenchie right now, but you need to come look at her. She's been here for over six months. There's been over two, two, two other litters, the Frenchies that have come and gone, and she's still here, but this is the, she, she's the cutest little submissive little bulldog you'll ever see. So we drove over there, and they also had eight English bulldogs, and I drove over there. It was a birthday present for me, so I, it was over in uh, Pine Bush, and I told Susie, I said, I just want to reserve the right to call an audible and, and to get an English bulldog again uh, if this Frenchie isn't everything that, that this woman, you know, the breeder's telling us. I walked in there, and I laid eyes on Lucy, and her little ears were back, and she was so timid. She was so tiny. She was like the runt who had been overlooked. And immediately I just knew, that's the dog I want. Lucy's four years old now. <laughs> it's like almost every night when I go to put her bed, <laughs> I was like, thank you God for giving me this dog made for me. Because she, she was just so scared, so timid. She gets along with other dogs, but she was scared to death of humans because for six months she wasn't around humans very much at all. And so... I just decided every morning when she was little, when we first got her, I, I, I'd take her in my hands and, and in, in my lap in the morning, and I'd say, you're my baby girl, cream puff, princess, chunky monkey short stack. My baby girl, cream puff, princess, chunky monkey short stack. And I just rub her ears and say, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Now, I don't have to pick her up anymore. She jumps up before I even hit the seat. She's, she's in my lap. And now she just takes it all in. And you know what happens now? Now Tybee jumps up as well. And, and he's just a dog. I don't like him at all. No, I'm just kidding. He's Susie's dog. Uh, but, uh, but now he jumps up and, and she's like, rawr, 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 because she doesn't want him to, you know, kind of infringe on her moment with daddy. And so I'm like, hi, Tybee, good morning. And I push him down. And I'm like, baby girl, cream puff princess, chunky monkey, short stack. Good morning, good morning, good morning. And, and it's been amazing to me just to see the confidence that has come into that little bulldog just by the power of my words. The power of your words and my words. Fifth thing is this kindness. Just, just to be kind with our words. That, that, that literally with our words, you and I, we can create an inviting environment. An environment of kindness. That, that, that people don't have to be afraid, that they know that they're safe and they won't come under any harm or condemnation or judgment, kindness. But that I, I want my words to be such that people feel safe around me, not wondering, when is Greg gonna pop off next time? Walking on eggshells. There's something wrong if people have to walk on eggshells around you. Kindness. Proverbs 15.1 puts it this way. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Gentle answer, wet blanket. Harsh words, it just, it, it just inflames the situation. That we'd be kind with our words. Let me just say this. If, if you have a tendency, and I grew up in a home where, where yelling was acceptable, <laughs> uh, 
I love my mom and dad, wonderful, wonderful Christian people, but they yelled at us, man. They yelled at us. I mean, mama take the paint off the ceiling yelling when we did something wrong. And, and, and so I had to learn, because the woman that I married, that wasn't okay in her house. And, and, and so I had to learn how to just tone it down. And still, when sometimes a heart rate goes up and on in a, in a when we have, well, let me put it this way, passionate fellowship, <laughs> disagreement, we're going to talk about conflict next week. And, 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 and I'm really, it's really easy for me to get the volume up, but I can't do that because you know what I've learned? Just because you get loud and get your way doesn't mean you're right. Just because you get loud and you get your way, it doesn't mean you're right. A lot of people do that just to intimidate their kids, just to intimidate their spouse, just to intimidate others, just to get your way. But it doesn't mean you're right just because people refuse to argue with you and fight with you. We need to be kind with our words. Sixth thing is this, we need to speak the truth in love. So important to speak the truth in love. Ephesians chapter four, verse 15 tells us, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Jesus spoke the truth in love all the time. He spoke the truth in love. See, it's okay to to say what's wrong, but it's not okay to enforce what's wrong. This is what you need to do. That's not love. Speak the truth in love. In fact, I love it, and you can look at it on your own. John chapter 1, verse 14 says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Not, not, just, not just truth, not just grace, but grace and truth. I remember one time talking with a, with a husband and wife. They were having some issues, uh, having some problems, and, and I remember uh, the woman, kind of, we were trying to do kind of like some... some intervention there to help their marriage, uh, Susie and I, and I remember the woman saying, well, you know, I just think you need to know this about me. Uh, she said, I'm a truth speaker. And I just looked at her, <laughs> and I said, you are? She said, yeah, I just speak the truth all the time. And I said, I bet you don't have many friends, do you? And, and that, that's probably a big reason why your marriage is falling apart, because you're a truth speaker. Nowhere does the Bible say be a truth speaker. It says speak the truth in love, in love. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Nowhere just truth, truth. Here's the reason why. Look at this, truth without grace is mean. And boy, she was like, she was mean as a rattlesnake. She was a truth speaker. She thought that was a wonderful thing. It wasn't wonderful at all. Truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth, though, is meaningless. Grace without truth is meaningless. Whenever just sugar daddy and, and everything's fine and no, never any, you never, you know, like, like that's wrong or anything, you never speak up, that's just meaningless. But here's the thing, truth and grace is medicine. Truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. But truth and grace together is medicine. It brings healing. Truth and grace together. And so, these, these Six uncommon communication forms. Praise, thanksgiving, affection, encouragement, kindness, speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth. We're never supposed to water down the truth, but it's always supposed to be in love with grace. And then the seventh one, prayer. Prayer. And I don't even have a verse for this because 
Like it's all throughout scripture. Prayer is so important. Because so many times, you know, when communication is fragile, uh, uh, afraid and, and fragile and just, just, just falling apart all over the place. You know what? My wife's kind of taught me. <laughs> There's been times, you know, when again we're having that, you know, passionate fellowship, disagreement and all. And I remember one time early on in marriage she said, time out. Can I just pray right now? And it's like all of a sudden it just changed the dynamic, it changed the environment. And I'm like, well sure, okay, go ahead. Now what am I supposed to do? (laughs) Just prayer. Talking to God, how do you pray? It's just sometimes we feel a little, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. Just speak to God like you would your father. He's your daddy. Prayer. Because for, for many of us, man, we, we need to learn. We, we, need, we need God to transform our lives when it comes to communication. Because we have said so many things with our tongue. First of all, we need to pray, and we need to pray and ask God to forgive us for the words we've spoken to other people, things we've said to other people, things we said that we know we shouldn't have, that we could see when we said it in their eyes, we could see that just crush in their heart, crush in their spirit. Parents need to pray, ask God to forgive the way we've talked to kids to our own kids that have crushed their hearts instead of lifting them up. We need God's help. And I wanna just circle back around right now to this statement that I made earlier, and this is what I wanna leave you with. The power of the Holy Spirit is greater than your willpower. Because if you could control your words, you would have already been doing it. If you could control your tongue, you wouldn't have all the regrets of things that you said that you wish you could take back today. We need the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Not more willpower to be a better person. We need, just as we started, just as, just as the, the, the umbrella verse, kind of the key verse for this whole series, Romans 12 too, we, we, we need God to transform us into the new person by changing the way that we think. And by changing the way we think, it'll change the words that we choose. The power of the Holy Spirit is greater than your willpower, greater than my willpower. So I'm gonna ask right now, would you just bow your heads and let's just pray, because we need God's help. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word that kind of cuts through a lot of confusion and gives us clarity. And Lord, I know I speak for myself. Lord, this is, this is not an area that I feel like I have just grown into some sort of perfection. I don't know that I ever will. I don't know that any of us ever will. So God, just pray, forgive me, Lord, of words that I've spoken that didn't bring healing, that didn't encourage, that didn't lift up. And if you're here today right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed and you know you've said some things that you shouldn't have said, just just right now in this moment, uh, just ask God to forgive you for those words that hurt instead of healed. And Father, right now we just ask that your Holy Spirit would transform our lives, Lord, that we would, we would take what we've heard today from your word, from the scripture, and Lord, we would allow that to begin to transform us into the people that you want us to be, people that speak life and encouragement and lift other people up and change the environment with our words that we speak. 
Father, we can't do it on our own. We need your Holy Spirit just as your word tells us to transform us by renewing the way that we think. You can do it, Lord. And we lean into you. Right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you say, well, Greg, I'd like to do that, but I don't even know any. Where do I start? You've, you've never taken that step to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Holy Spirit is an inside job. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, and that's what begins to transform our lives. It's not our willpower. It's not trying to be a good person. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so right now, I just wanna lead you in a prayer. If you've never prayed and received Jesus Christ as your savior, that's the starting point. That's the first step of faith. You can repeat this prayer after me and, and begin to receive, and, and to receive that power of the Holy Spirit in your life to become the person that God created you to be. Just repeat after me, Heavenly Father, Forgive me of my sins. I received Jesus Christ's perfect life and his sacrificial death and his resurrection from the dead for me. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Guide me. Direct me. Lead me. Holy Spirit, transform my life into the person that you created me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Valley Christian Church located in Hopewell Junction, New York. Please visit us online at valleychristianchurch.net for more information. Thank you.